You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Welcome to the Cultured Podcast. It is Michelle, and I missed you. I know it's only been seven days, but I really, really missed you. So thank you for coming back. Very exciting guest today. We're going to be talking stand-up comedy with Joel Byers, who is a stand-up comedian. I know, crazy. But he's also a writer, a podcast host. He hosts the Hot Breath Podcast. So we're going to be talking to him a little bit about that. And he's also a teacher. So there's a lot to dig into here. I don't know if you are as curious as I am about stand-up comedians, but I can't wait to dig in. But first, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about what's inspiring me this week. And this week, it's a book I'm reading. It is Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And it is so fascinating. It really digs into the origins of Homo sapiens, which is us. If you're listening to this and you can understand it and talk back to me, you're a homo sapien. It goes into the history of humankind, our evolution, and why all of these cultural nuances have developed over time. And it's pretty mind-shattering. I mean, truly, it like, continues to blow my concepts of what I thought was reality out of the water. So I highly encourage everyone read that book because it's going to give you a very different understanding of why certain habits, norms, beliefs develop, because sometimes they just develop out of the effing blue. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason. It's just like a series of chance happenings, which is really crazy to think about. So yes, check it out. Um, if you have any book recommendations, especially ones about anthropology and sociology, please hit me up at Cultured Podcast on all the socials except for Twitter, which is at Cultured Pod, or you can hit me up directly. Michelle Corey, that's my name. All right, let's jump into it. Let's talk comedy with Joel Byers. <laughs> Hello, Michelle. <laughs> oh, we'd make a good duet. So, Joel, okay. you're a comedian. I am a comedian. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so brave. Know, How you... do you stand up there? It's my biggest fear. I could never do that. Okay, well, we'll scratch question number one. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> question number one is, how did you get into comedy? Comedy was always a passion of mine. I always was interested in it, watching Sinbad in my early days. He was the first comedian I ever watched, but I was always the funny kid. Wait, pause. I'm sorry. You mentioned Sinbad. Yeah. Do you know about this whole Shazam conspiracy? No. Shazam Kazam? No. It's like a whole giant group, like millions of millennials who remember Shazam with Sinbad, and it doesn't exist, and I'm one of them. I remember Shazam with Sinbad. You've never heard of this? I've never heard of this. All right. Everyone needs to Google it. I'll put a link in the show notes. I digress, but it's really crazy. Okay. So Sinbad, not in Shazam. Well, he was in Afros on Bell Bottoms. That was the name of his special. He used to wear jumpsuits and he was amazing. But I was always funny in school. My mom tells me a story I don't remember, but when I was very little, 
she said we were I was doing a church play and I just took the microphone from I guess the lady in charge and started talking into it and everybody laughed and then from then on apparently I was a comedian. But Stop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. did the woman react? I'm guessing she was laughing. I hope. Hmm. I don't know. I survived. So that she is wasn't the comedian's hope, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. That you kill instead of they kill you. Oh. Now we're I doing biz terms that. inside baseball in here right now. Oh, boy, I'm going to fail at this. <laughs> <laughs> I know that baseball has the little white round ball with the stitches. Totally. <laughs> and then the bat. Ball, stick ah, yes, ball. The club. Yes. They throw ball fast and hit ball far. Yes. And then Very millions far. of dollars. Hit ball out of park. Out of, yes. Hmm. And, and building new parks instead of new roads. Uh-huh. You know. Oh, you like, like Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, the billion dollars staying for the Falcons, cool. What, what about the money for the potholes? Interest, yeah. Infrastructure, also cool. <laughs> we'll just look up at how pretty all the gentrification is and not the homeless epidemic it's here. so shiny. <laughs> yeah. So I always loved comedy, always a fan of it. I was wittiest in my high school. I, would, I was the kid in your group activities that would just make people laugh instead of working <laughs> to distract from all the work I wasn't mm, doing. I hated and loved you. That was me. I hated All the way you. through college, that loved was me. You. <laughs> <laughs> but what was crazy is I didn't actually start pursuing it until senior year of college, second semester, when I'm gradu- about to graduate with a liberal arts degree. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life exactly? <laughs> and I've always wanted to do comedy, you know, in the back of your head. There's always that voice of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing to lose. So I went and tried it out and boom. That was as soon as I did it, it just like ignited my life. I just everything I do now is in pursuit of comedy and nurturing that path Gosh. since that night. That is so commendable, but you skipped a huge part of the story. You Ooh. were like, then I decided to pursue comedy. I did it, and it was great. Yeah. Okay, but there's a <laughs> like, okay. But everyone who's ever even, like, considered doing stand-up comedy, it's a mountain to climb. It's like mm-hmm. Everest of performance. So how did you even approach that first experience? Yeah, so for the record, I am still climbing, mm-hmm. 100% still climbing. But it started out as me reading a book. It was like it was I think it's literally called like step by step to stand up. So I read this book that helped me with joke writing. I was watching YouTube videos, which watch them now. It's like ridiculous. It's like a guy being like, this is how you move a mic stand. Stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like 10,000 views. I can't even get my sketches 100 views. And this guy has 10,000 views. But he was a good looking mic stand. (laughs) The guy had a ponytail. It's still on there, I'm sure. So I just researched. Steve Martin's book, Born Standing Up, is a great book for really anyone that just likes to hear people's stories, but even like a comedian wanting to know the struggle of him saying it took him 10 years of trial and error and then five years of refinement before he even was comfortable on stage. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I'm almost eight years in and I know I'm. it's like a drop in the bucket. So... It's really a long game. It's forever. Yeah. I can't remember who, maybe Don Rickles said it, but comedians don't retire, they die. (laughs) But I did my research and researched shows around. I went to school in Maryville College. So that was about 10 minutes outside Knoxville. Was that Maryville? Maryville. Maryville College. I mean, your lips barely moved. (laughs) Maryville is how it's on paper, but when you're up there, it's Maryville. Got it. It was a whole thing. Math class was pronounced meth class. It was a whole. (laughs) It was a whole experience. That's a lie. So, 
There was a comedy club there called Side Splitters. They did open mics on Sunday. I signed up before we go out to Cotton Eye Joe's for free beer night. I'm still hungover from those nights. The bartenders were dipping, wearing Daisy Dukes. It was another I mean, I would hope it's free beer night in Merville. (laughs) So before I rewarded myself with poison water, I went and did this open mic at Side Splitters. And there was probably maybe 10 people in the audience, including the staff. And I didn't kill by any means, but I didn't bomb. People almost just like politely smiled at me. Had a couple of my friends there. What did your jokes look like? Like, where did you uh, pull from? Um, it was it was all from it was all from like life. Mm-hmm. I started out pulling from life, but a joke at its core is like a surprise, a misdirect, if you will. A joke hinges on that misdirect. So I was big on one-liners back then. And I remember one joke. We had just gone to a WWE event, um, and I, I went with friends. It was voluntary, kind of. Uh, I'm not reacting because I was a huge WWE fan when I was little. Oh, okay. Your huge. face was like, oh, I look at you differently now. You're I one do. Of those You're people. a friend now. <laughs> <laughs> so we had just gone to that event. So really the only joke I can remember from that set is I said something like, I just went to my first disco. There were flashing lights and men in Speedos. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. It was WWE. That was the first joke. And that's really the only joke I remember from that set, it was kind of a blur. I really just remember the faces and the audiences smiling. That's all I really remember from That's it. That's good. Highlight reel. Yeah, totally. And then from then, it's just been open mics ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Still doing open mics. <laughs> so what does your life look like now? I mean, maybe this is personal, but do you hmm. earn money from your a career in comedy? A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm full-time comedian now. Wow. Yeah. That is, I feel like, the dream for a comedian. Totally. I feel so honored and, like, privileged to be able to do it, yeah. Talk us through what your daily life looks like, like how you spend your time in different – because I know because I follow you, we know each other. Mm -hmm. I know that you have different streams of focus within your comedy career, so break that down for us. Well, I wake up, first off, get my wife off to work. That's how I can be full-time. I have a supportive wife. I'm a stay-at-home house sitter, pretty much. But That's awesome. I mean, that's the thing about comedy is, especially now with the internet and you're able to create your own opportunities and your own content, and pretty much you don't have to outsource, go and shoot a pilot or whatever. You can really technically do it all from your iPhone if you want. Mm -hmm. So even in thinking of streams, people can think outside of just, I need to go to this comedy club in due time. It's like... No, I know a friend that works at this company. Maybe reach out to them. It's the holiday season. They like to do company potlucks, which I, I did this year. I performed at a company potluck. There's you know team building. I've done corporate team building. I've hosted people's birthday roasts. Like There's so many different avenues beyond just standing at a nightclub on a Friday night that you can use this public speaking skill. Of so, course. Wow. It's tough. The thing about you know being... An entrepreneur is, and I guess a comedian specifically, we can be inherently lazy. At least a lot of them can be. But the the most difficult thing I would say is that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. So you also have the freedom to do what you shouldn't. So mm-hmm. you've really got to have that discipline. And I think a big part of that is knowing what you want to do, having goals that you're working towards. So I do have a podcast. So some days are committed to working on the podcast or maybe the morning is committed to working on the podcast, the afternoon maybe working on my routine or 
biz dev. Like I'll go on LinkedIn and just send people messages randomly. Hasn't really hit yet, but it's like I feel like if I commit, I don't know, ten or twenty minutes, it's worth the time expense of possibly a thousand dollar gig. You know, Absolutely. So, and also that's a numbers game. Business yeah. development and pitching like that yeah. is a numbers game. Yeah, totally. So big thing I do in the morning, first thing, I have a I have this thing called the Right Ten Club. So I had kind of started it's on, I get on Facebook Live and I just talk to the talk to the people for a few minutes, maybe about if I did shows last night. Like my show last night was like the heater didn't work, so it was like twenty degrees at my show, and people stayed. Oh my god! Yeah, so Were I you, was your voice shaking. I mean, it wasn't literally twenty, but I mean, it was cold. Like I hosted at Java Monkey mm-hmm. in Decatur, so like three walls are walls, and then the other is like this plastic, plastic roll down wall. So it was cold, but people stayed. So I talked about that. Sometimes if I like, I'll bomb. I'll talk about that the next morning. It's kind of become. In a sense, almost like a vlog, but I also will give writing tips, and then we'll write for 10 minutes. So I'll talk for a little bit, and then we'll I'll set a timer, and then we'll write for 10 minutes. And that forces me, personally, to commit to my writing regimen, and also helps other people create their own writing routine. Do you so then share? Oh, what, what I wrote? Written? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. So is this like a Facebook group called The Right 10 Club and you go live specifically for a very for a specific audience or is it just your followers in general? Yeah, just my page in general. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about I thought about doing a page and all this, but this is really the first endeavor I've done where I haven't put any thought into it. I saw I was not writing daily like I should be. And a great way to create a habit is having social accountability. Mm-hmm. So I created the social accountability online. So I just signed on. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write online every morning to make myself accountable. And now it's just snowballed into like anytime I go do a show, there's always at least like one or two comics who are like, you're, you're right, 10 Club. That's really helping me out. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, you do a really good job of using social. And I never thought of it as social accountability. Like, I never hmm. had that idea. That's really smart, especially for creatives, because it can we can get so stuck into our own heads. And the I think a huge obstacle is the lack of action. Like, I have all these ideas, but I just won't take the step to move forward. Yep. So that's smart. So tell us a little bit more about how you use social to advance your cause. I'll use it even for my podcast, just booking guests. Mm -hmm. I've booked numerous guests just on an Instagram DM or hitting them up on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'll use it for that sense. I use it, of course, now I have a specific voice on like my Instagram specifically and this all-American comedy identity. But for a long time, it was just me throwing stuff up, not even thinking twice about it, not trying to be more strategic about it. But now I'm taking, you know, as of course, as you get older as well. I mean, I'm almost 30. I'm going to turn 30 on January 24th. Happy birthday. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a man. I'm a man now. Almost. So. Not yet, Joel. <laughs> Sound like my wife. <laughs> so it's like you're OK. Well, you want this to be a job. You need to treat it like a job. I'm on social media just like, hey, here's a selfie or whatever. It's like, no, why are you posting it? I'm more strategic in that sense. And I used to overthink it, but now it's like it's got to be funny and on brand. I'm big on brand, which I know you are as well, and you being like a professional at branding. (laughs) So it's something a lot of people can overlook, and people can use social media as a toy, but you can also use it as a tool, which I think 
is a big misconception that people get lost in the sauce of social media. Of like, oh, let me go follow. Oh, this is cool. And it, you just get in a time suck as opposed to following. I now follow people that I can benefit from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like your environment and your, what do they say? You're only as smart as the five closest friends or. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think the same thing with social media and who you surround yourself with on social media will determine who you are outside of that as well. That's so true because also you're consuming all of this information and media and it's informing the way that you see the world. So like on my account, my personal account especially, but also Cultured Podcasts, it's all like artists and sculptors and typographers and illustrators and designers. And it's such a delight to be able to scroll through and see all of these things that inspire me Mm -hmm. and that like light up my neurons. I just like this little like synaptic storm takes place. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. So we've talked about how you are a stand-up comedian and we're going to go back to that because I have so many questions. How do you get the courage? (laughs) Just kidding. He's so brave. He's so brave. So besides writing your jokes what else do you write yeah i've written a book yeah i wrote a book called uh, finding your funny the stand-up comics playbook it's really full of just exercises that help you because the thing about joke writing is you may have an idea but to actually develop it into a joke format then then develop it into like a two-minute bit right that's a whole that's a whole synthesis process so i had a student who was like Turned out to be like this MIT Carnegie Mellon grad who's like a professor, smart dude who came up to me after class one day and was like, we're writing a book. And I was like, OK, we're writing a book. So he kind of helped me distill my eight week class into this book and really make it kind of a conceptual way of joke writing. So it helps you take you from you have an idea for a joke. It helps you to turn that into an actual joke format and then to build it up and edit it down and then to organize it into a set. So well, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's really it's a book I haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, I've done I've I'm a still a student of comedy. I've done a lot of research and it really I use it. Like I'll go around to shows and I'll have the book with me. It's like mobile so comedians can take it from show to show. But it's it's been helpful to me and it's that's why I'm so proud of it cuz for a long time, you know, I've worked like enterprise and you're like I'm so, I have to sell this car insurance wait what am I doing here yeah but like the, I'm, I love to be doing what I love because I'm not even I'm not even like a salesman I just I use the things that like my class I learn just as much from my class as my students do right every time what's the anatomy of a good joke I mean there's a formula to a joke in the sense that it has to hinge on surprise like the misdirect of a guy walks into a bar, ouch. So you're assuming he walks into a bar that you drink at, but he actually walks into a metal bar and hit his head. So there's a misdirect at the core of a joke, but how you achieve that, it's completely up to the comedian. No one, that's what I love about comedy, is it's just you up there. We're all using the same tools, but how you actually execute is, it's all on you. It's a free-for-all. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's where style comes in. Mm -hmm. What does your class look like? Because we mentioned you're a teacher. So tell us a little bit about that faction. Well, the class is an eight-week course, and then we have a grad show at the end of the eight weeks. But every week we're learning a lesson and we're also performing in class because comedy, at the end of the day, comedy is a language. Mm -hmm. And the only way to really exercise that language is by being on stage. 
that's what this there's a bad stigma with stand up classes is like you can't teach comedy. Like every week my students are performing. That's where you learn comedy is on stage. This is just an easier way. It kind of I'm synthesizing almost eight years into eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's really I love it because I get to watch people just starting out. And I'm amazed at just I challenge my students to, you know, go to personal places, talk about personal experiences, because a lot of the time starting out, people just want to be funny. But if you can be funny and personal, you're ahead of the game from the beginning. So it's a lot of performing in class. Then we'll do class feedback like a writer's room every week. And then we do a lesson. I'll incorporate my podcast into it. You know, I've interviewed I've hundreds of hours. Hundreds? Is it plural? I have over 100 episodes. So I have ten, teens of hours. I don't know. <laughs> of like interviewing professional comedians about whether it be writing or networking or starting your own business or whatever. So I, I incorporate everything I do outside of class into the class as well. I bombed. And then I took it to my class. I was like, this happened to me. This is why it happened. So it's evol it evolves every time as well. So speaking of bombing, mm -hmm. what has been one of the worst experiences of your career? <laughs> the worst experience? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> and this, I ask all my, my guests, the comedian guests on mine, I always ask them a boo story. I mean, I've been booed. At a place called Taboo. Oh, well, that's appropriate. That's one, yeah. And I ended up, there was couches on stage. Very fine, perfect for comedy establishment. It was a nightclub. People are going to get their twerk on, and I'm like, but hey, guys, what about liberal arts school? Am I right? <laughs> but one of the worst, I was at Uptown. Uptown is, Comedy Corner. Yes. In Atlanta. Which is a legendary comedy club. And they actually turned the lights off on me. I was doing so bad, like three no. minutes into my set, the lights just shut off. And I was like, wait, what? I need, I was I was newer, so I wasn't quite sure how to react. So I just made a joke about... Oh, my God. I said, um, oh, a black establishment not paying the light bill, of course. And then, that, and then the DJ like did like a error, error, and then played like a gunshot sound effect, and I was I was done. That's I it. walked off after that. Okay, so that actually brings up a really good point. How do you, uh, how do you take on topics like politics, race, sexual harassment? I was just in New York, and well, just I don't know. Time is warp speeding, but hmm. a while ago, uh -huh. uh, I was in New York, and we went to this comedy set at the Comedy Cellar, and uh, it was like, yeah, it was comedians practicing their jokes for the first time which was really fun and a lot of them talked about sexual harassment sexual abuse and actually I found a lot of them to be just not funny and kind of making a joke of something that is really really disturbing which sometimes really works well and it's funny how do you handle those topics well, a lot of people need to understand that if you're seeing a comedian's hour special, there's probably 20 hours of failure behind that special. A lot of material, especially on those topics, start out as uh, offending people in some way or another. But what I have found, because I like to walk that line in my mm -hmm. comedy of talking about maybe things on the surface that may not seem to be funny, you know, like kids making our iPhones or whatever. But over time in trial and error, and like I said... Comedy is a language you learn on stage. You got to get on stage, say it a lot. But I have found the jokes that resonate are the ones that start out almost offensive. Like I have a joke 
about, you know, I was a dishwasher, so I have a joke about working with Mexicans and then comparing them to Chinese people. And now it's funny. But when I first started doing it, I'm this blonde-haired, trumpeteer-looking guy talking, even just saying the word Mexican. Can I, like, if, if I say, like, the word Mexican or, like, black, I feel the audience pull back just because of how I look. Right. Which is a whole other layer of comedy I'm just now learning is, like, the self-awareness and how to actually use it to contrast and create misdirections beyond just verbally. Right. But it started out, I had a lady at one show yell out, that's racist, like, but that emotional reaction, they weren't bored listening to it. They were still emotionally invested enough to respond, so I knew I was on to something. And just you keep just moving forward, trial and error, trial and error, and then eventually you'll start to find the the little laughs that then you then start to build and put together like a puzzle. You have to be so comfortable with rejection. Yeah. It's I mean, nightly. does it get e- easier? And you get more comfortable in the silence, and you start to find power in silence and actually ways of using it as a negative space. Like what people use in paintings and illustrations and things, you can use silence and stand up in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding a lot of power in silence, but in doses. Mm-hmm. Some shows you're just on and you're like, oh, I just figured out comedy in this one set. Like you think you, everything's clicking, but then the next, the very next show, nothing works. I've I've had so many experiences like that. But it really is – silence is very powerful and something – comedians are scared of and I, I'll still if if I don't get a laugh after a little while I'll start to be like okay what's happening because <laughs> I'm still learning but I know I've heard it takes like 10 years or 12 15 years before you actually become completely comfortable in that space right like a proficient comedian yeah exactly wow so what are your hopes for your future as a comedian <laughs> <laughs> you said it like my therapist so your hopes with this comedy thing. I mean, you got a wife, you know, what does she think about this? Jeez. I'm glad the subtext really got through. <laughs> totally. Your acting, your acting experience really shine there. There's some good Meisner. We should do some repetitions in here. I, I really just, I'm not aiming for the middle with this comedy pursuit. I really want to become an influential voice in the culture uh, at the end of the day. that's it's. And what does that look like for you? It means that... I'm a stand-up comedian. That's always what I'm going to do. I, I want to, you know, I like to do acting, continue my podcast, maybe be more influential in the author space beyond just like a comedy writing book. But I'd like to get into that more in depth. But if I were to actually visualize it, it would be to like have my own show where I am kind of a, the voice of a generation in commenting on what is happening right now you know like how like a daily show does and john oliver does there are so many outlets to achieve that now but like i said with my social media how i rebranded to all american comedy that's kind of my my focus now is just becoming that voice of question Mm -hmm. and i sense that all american comedy watching your videos and everything it's facetious Hmm. Well, even like how I look, like right. it's like this just too white to fail, all lives matter, hair part, you know, all that going on. So me contrasting it with like being critical of what seemingly I appear to be supportive of and mm-hmm. my tiki torch and all that, you know. So I think that's that's 
kind of how I'll be able to get an angle in on it is because it's unexpected. So it's almost like the the sugar going down. Was it with the medicine? I'm the the, the physical sugar that makes the vocal medicine go down. Oh, I was like, where's the sugar going? I don't know where going? this is going. I, I don't know like, where. The sugar's going down? Dude. <laughs> it's like sugar. Where's sugar? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So is Party City your sponsor? Party City. But um, I, I am sarcastic, though. So it does come like facetious is a great. That's that's how my comedy comes off as is kind of. Well, and even just the title of all American comedy, because what you're doing is kind of ripping into the state of American politics hmm. and like current events. Maybe that wasn't purposeful, but that's what I got from but, it. I mean, that's my voice, though, It yeah. is like sarcasm. And that is how I can get away with certain things if I put them through that filter. So I, that's why I found like my almost my reaction to failure on stage was anger initially. And I found this baby faced blonde haired blue eyed dude getting angry shuts people completely down. Zero room for anger. So if I'm more playful and like a little sly and sarcastic about it, which yeah. is how I'm funny off stage. But I, I've heard and learned that the closer you can marry those two personalities, then the more successful you'll be. But it's. It's so incremental. Right. And yeah. it's such a delicate balance between totally. persona and your actual self. Right. Yeah. Wow. So who are the comedians who inspire you the most? Uh, my favorite's Steve Martin. Steve Martin, 100%. Because, like I said, I and you're talking about streams and diversifying your talents. He's a prime example. Comedian, banjo virtuoso author, yeah. I mean, director, right? So many different things. So, and a lot of people don't know, he was the first comedian to really start selling out like arenas. What? He put comedy like on that next level as far as just exposure like that. Wow. And he just gets better looking with age. It's so crazy. It's fascinating. Yeah. He's my, he, so he's my all, all time favorite. No, Sinbad was the first I watched, but uh, Roy Wood Jr., is one of my favorites. He um, He's on The Daily Show. But I actually got to interview him on my podcast, which was one of those where you're like, what? <laughs> it was like, it was at like 7 a.m. the morning after he recorded his Comedy Central special. Stop. I don't know why he was willing to do it, but he was. So That's amazing. That's yeah. so exciting. And he's just one that, he's one of those comedians, I'm a fan of the comedians who have just, just earned it the right way. Like, they just stayed steady consistent, doing what they should be, and then they pop at the right time when they're ready. Amen. That is the perfect place to leave this. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, is that what I sound like? <laughs> no. <laughs> Way to be an ingrate. Ingrato, dime que me quieres. Uh, All right, whatever. <laughs> Está bien. Gracias. De nada. Hasta luego. Well, y'all, don't tell me I didn't tell you that he wasn't fascinating because he is quite a character. Thank you again to Joel for coming on the show today. And if you want to find him, you can always find him at Joel Byers Comedy on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, joelbyerscomedy.com. Okay, and all of the links will be in the show notes. As always, I like to make those show notes tasty for y'all so you can dig in if you want. And next week, we've got another titillating episode for you. But in the meantime, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. I'm 
Rochelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. David Markowitz is our executive producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to The Cultured Podcast on culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere podcasts are found. Oh,